Variety Podcast listeners, Andy and Drew and Robin here. We are back. Episode number 40 of the What's Up Castleberry podcast. We're so glad you're here. We are pumped for this amazing episode, kind of a elections edition as it, this episode is being dropped on election day. If you are new to the program, welcome. If you're a familiar listener, welcome back. We are local Castleberry residents and pastors that have weekly conversations on this podcast for the good of the people of Castleberry about Castleberry related issues. And we love to have guests and friends who are involved with Castleberry. Uh, speaking of Castleberry, Robin, you and I were basically right in the heart of Castleberry last night. Tell us about last night is of this recording. Uh, what went on yesterday at the Castleberry Elementary Trunk or Treat? Well, we got to meet lots of kids and families, gave away lots of candy. We saw lots of great costumes and we have very important statistics to report back, don't we? That's right. We are a hard hitting news source. And we asked a bunch of the children and families that were doing the drive through trunk or treat uh, at Castleberry Elementary, what their favorite type of candy was. And it was overwhelming. The answer was just chocolate. But then when you honed in on on what specifically, Robin, I, I believe maybe M&Ms. That was number one. Cats and Twix. Those were kind of the three that got mentioned regularly there. A couple of nerds as well, which was... <laughs> there was a couple of nerds there, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Andy, welcome to the conversation. Uh, you were not there last night, but I hope you are excited to you know, be with your family and, and enjoy Halloween as, as of this recording. Yes, I heard you guys had a, a great time. My family were there. They were watching, participating. I just received a survey as well in the email to vote for the best display at the trunk or tree. And I'm going to throw a shout out vote to what's up Castleberry as well, because you guys weren't nerdy. You were actually quite charming is the, the scuttlebutt on the street, but there's a lot going on right now. We've just finished Halloween. And as you are listening to this listener, it is election day. And we have an incredible special guest today, the supervisor of elections here in Castleberry, Chris Anderson. And not much of a spoiler alert, but just to let you know, you want to listen to this. This guy has totally put me at ease about what is happening with my vote. But today is election day. It's a day I've been worried about, honestly, for a long time, for lots of, lots of reasons. But in the midst of that, I don't want to forget, Drew, that the ability to vote is an incredible gift, right? There are millions of people around the world who don't have this privilege. And there are hundreds of thousands of people who have given their lives so that we can have this privilege. So in the midst of all the, the stress and the anxiety and the stuff that will happen around this day as you're listening, let's be grateful for the opportunity that we've been given. Yeah, absolutely. We've touched on in previous episodes much regarding the election season and the importance of going out and considering who you'd vote for and then taking the act as a, a citizen to vote. But you know, one thing that is helpful to, to be reminded of, frankly, is that if you don't vote, that you have no one to blame for the results other than yourself. So hopefully, 
folks that are listening and have been listening to our previous episodes will take action and seek to make this community uh, and the larger Central Florida region just the best that it can be. Well, Andy, our Castleberry in the News segment, we figured we need to maybe break up, kind of have some lighter things. This was a really strange story. I saw this statue. There was this very large 12-foot or so skeleton statue, and apparently it was stolen. You want to flesh that out for us? What was going on there? Was there a pun there, Drew, about fleshing out a story about skeletons? (laughs) Did you mean to do that? Be quiet, skeleton man. <laughs> that's, a, that's an office joke. Well done. That was very funny. And hey, good job on transitioning from the election to skeletons as well. We've seen a lot of skeletons come out from people's closets over this last season. But yeah, I mean, that's the Castleberry news story. It was on my Google alert several times this week that there is a 12-foot skeleton. I believe it was stolen from a teacher in one of our neighborhoods as well. And he said he'd put it out there to bring some relief and some fun and some community spirit in what is a tense situation. And someone stole it. So I really don't know what to say. I can't flesh it out other than... Shame on you, whoever stole a 12-foot skeleton. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, it's kind of hard to hide. Make no bones about it, Andy. We are going to get to the bottom of this story. We're going to figure out who, in fact, stole this. So, folks, reach out to us on the What's Up Castleberry podcast page, our email, our uh, website, all the mediums. If you have any information Who stole the 12-foot skeleton statue? Let's get it back to the rightful owner. I do feel sorry for the rightful owner. I mean, they caught a bad break, didn't they? (laughs) Well, there's our puns for the day. Um, I think think that's as uh, good a time as any to transition now to something that Andy and Robin and I have been super excited about. We've been referencing this on the past several episodes. We are beyond thrilled to highlight and pump up and celebrate those in our community, not the stealer of the statue, but those who are positively serving, leading, and inspiring in our city of Castleberry. And uh, we have uh, some trophies that are in the process of being made up. And our plan is to highlight and celebrate a community member of the month. Uh, We reached out to you, our listeners on social media, Uh, We kind of talked within and inquired around the community, and we have a winner. We have an inaugural monthly winner uh, for November. Andy, could I get some drum roll, please? Or do you want to share? Do you want to give the honors? No, I'm more of a drum roll guy, definitely. All right, here we go. The inaugural winner of the Community Member of the Month for the What's Up Castleberry podcast is... Mrs. Kim Young from Castleberry Elementary School. And if you know Kim Young, she is deserving to the max. Kim has been at Castleberry Elementary for years and years. She teaches, I believe, third grade. And uh, she is a phenomenal teacher. She loves the school. I, in fact, we, Robin and I saw her all dressed up. And ha- she looked like a pumpkin. She had like Halloween pumpkin attire at the trunk or treat. And uh, Kim, well-deserved for you. We'll, we will bring your trophy over to the school shortly. 
She is a lady who has gone above and beyond for so many Castleberry students over many, many years of teaching. My kids were with her for three years, not because they got held back, but because uh, she moved up with them to teaching. And that was such a, a great joy and blessing for us. And she goes above and beyond. She sacrifices. She's incredibly caring. She makes everything fun. And I think she is an incredibly worthy winner of our Community Member of the Month. And so, Miss Young, we'll be paying you a visit soon and presenting you with your award. That's right. And so if you have a Community Member of the Month for the month of December, we would love to hear who is serving, leading, inspiring those in our city. If you have a name or a nomination, please reach out to us at the What's Up Castleberry Facebook page, on Instagram, our website, which is www.whatsupcastleberry.com. Please let us know right in. We want to hear from you. All right, today's sponsor is Deborah Morris Home Team, Keller Williams Advantage Realty. Andy and I are privileged to know Deborah Morris through the connection with the Chamber of Commerce. And Deborah and her team are a real estate company. Uh, they've been around Central Florida since 2012. She loves helping sellers and buyers by making their housing dreams a reality. In fact, my wife Becky and I. Uh, we're able to purchase our home with the help of Deborah Morris and her home team. If you would like to reach out to Deborah, you can find her on her website. It's www.debramorrishometeam, and Deborah is spelled D-E-B-O-R-A-H dot K-W dot com. That's www.debramorrishometeam dot K-W dot com. Thank you, Deborah Morris, for being a sponsor. We'll be back with our conversation with Chris Anderson. Friends, we got a great interview with Chris Anderson, our supervisor of elections, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. But before I do, just want to let you know that in the process of recording this episode, we did have some technical difficulties with some of our internet streams. So part of this isn't as clear as we would like it, but if you listen closely, you can still hear the words and the wisdom that Chris is sharing. And I'd encourage you to listen through because I promise it does get better as the interview continues. Listeners, welcome back to our favorite part of the show. And man, do we have a special guest today on Election Day. Arguably the big, busiest guy in Seminole County today because he is managing our elections. And so would you welcome with me Chris Anderson, who is our supervisor of elections for Seminole County. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm I'm so happy to be here. I look forward to sharing some information and getting people excited and getting ready to go, ready to vote. Andy, I got to say, just the fact that Chris is currently smiling is of great encouragement. <laughs> I think a lot of folks would be... about two hours sleep over yeah. the last two months. That's a fair uh, estimate right there. <laughs> we want to start just some fun kind of get to know you questions. Uh, I know you're not given to being nervous at all, but we just want to kind of break the ice a little bit. So uh, just a few silly questions off the top. First of all, 
what's your favorite pre-election day meal going to look like? <laughs> well, you know, if I if it can even happen is the question. <laughs> if, if it can even happen. So a uh, pre-election uh, day meal. Probably like to probably start off with maybe some wings. Like it, for some reason, you know, during this this cycle, I've just been wanting some really good chicken wings, and uh, I've hit a couple of sweet spots. So you know, that's my thing right now. You know, Teriyaki, I, and what I do is it's, it's got to be garlic parm, and I mix it with the mild sauce. You can see how well I've thought about this. Mm. Right, I was prepared for this question. <laughs> It's like a pregnant woman and the cravings, right? You're about to give birth to this election and you need your wings. Oh, gosh. I love that. Contractions. Yeah. Well, Chris, this is a fairly Castleberry-centric podcast, although we have listeners from other parts of Central Florida. Chris, what is uh, something unique about Castleberry that maybe the normal folk would not know? Well, you know, so Castleberry has the busiest early voting site. Most of the votes that are cast during early voting are happening in Castleberry traditionally throughout all our elections here in Seminole County. And they have the most famous elections team uh, in the business right now. So uh, it was very interesting as I talked to a lot of the voters uh, on the first day, we had lines around the front of the library there. And I would walk up to him and say, hey, you know, there's an early voting location in Altima. It's a mile down the road. It's the brand new site, 50 voting booths inside. They were like, no, we're going to stay right here. We'll, we we want to see uh, Kathleen is, uh, is our site coordinator in there. So the people of Castleberry in that area are very familiar with the elections team. That's something that most people don't know. That's awesome. Good reputation for sure. That's Absolutely. Incredible. The busiest and the best is what, what Kathleen would say. Oh, there you go. The busiest and the best. That's some new yep. branding for the city, Drew, as well. What's your favorite news source on election day? Probably none, actually. <laughs> uh, not for any, any negative reasons, just because as we are, I, I don't get a chance to really look at anything because we get stuck in the building here and I, it happens every time. Somebody like, did you hear this? Uh, or, you know, quite here recently, the uh, governor's address was changed when he went to vote. I don't know if you heard about that. Didn't hear that yeah. I didn't hear. I didn't know about it. So a reporter actually reached out to me and I was like, I'm sorry, but this is actually the first time that I'm hearing about this. But I have to say, if I'm looking at some election results, maybe News 13. News 13 probably be a, a good spot to, to check them out. I, I interact more so with the local folks. So I know the the reporters from 13 and 9, 2, and 6. So, you know, not to say that any of the other ones don't do a good job at, at, uh, either, but 13 uh, probably the one I might uh, take a look at. Sure. Well, we love that. Love thinking local. That's great. Yeah, man. Uh, Chris, so this is a question for maybe a few days or weeks after the election. What's a, an activity that you, your family enjoy on an off day? Uh, fun fact. So the election ends for everyone else, but we'll still be working 10 days after the election because it's actually not certified until 10 days afterwards once we get everything out, once we do the audit. So, you know, Drew, I, you know, I'm thinking of, I, I really would like to travel. I'm looking forward to traveling, maybe taking a cruise. And it's because, you know, typically there's no cell reception 
on the cruise ship. <laughs> so, <laughs> right now, I have 120 text messages. Oh, man. My voicemail's full every day, so I'm just looking forward to uh, to maybe just getting on a, on a boat and, and uh, hanging out a little bit. Well, well, right now, it's not just cell phone service you don't have on a cruise. I'm not sure you have many other people on the boat with you right now. Yeah, it? yeah it's all kind of shut down, so, you know. <laughs> Two of my three children, they have birthdays during er- the, the early voting period for Election Day. So my daughter's birthday was yesterday and my, my son's birthday is on uh, Sunday. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to just getting an opportunity to celebrate their birthdays because uh, daddy's a little busy right now. That's such a good uh, insight into your life. Into your life. Thank you for sharing. You know, the reality is that you and, and the other folks that lead and serve our community, you're human beings. And frankly, I love that you shared, you know, vulnerably that uh, sometimes just having a break, uh, being able to disconnect because yeah. there is so much put upon you uh, on a regular basis is, is needed to be said out loud. Uh, so thank you for yeah. sharing that. Chris, share a little bit about maybe your, your life as a whole. The, the question we, we like to pose here is if you were like a mini series, if your life was considered to be maybe written as a book, what, what would be some of the, the highlights or chapter titles to this point? So I've thought about this a little bit, and I always said if I ever did write a book, it would be what he wanted me to be. Grew up in an environment where I saw my father. I didn't have a mother. My father, he tried to be a good dad, but he was addicted to drugs and alcohol. And I watched a very abusive, I watched him deteriorate his life. I would come home and the electricity wouldn't be on. The water wouldn't be running. I know what it feels like to be hungry. You know, the best thing that my grandmother could have ever done for me is introduce, she raised me, was to introduce me to my faith. Being a practicing Christian, I don't know where I'd be today if if it wasn't for my face. So as I sit here, everything I've done in my life, my father used to say, Chris, I'm the perfect example of what not to be. So that's why I said the title of the book would be the perfect example of what he wanted me to be, which is, you know, my father, he passed away from AIDS. He contracted the AIDS virus and uh, he died in 2003. So I spent a lot of my life just being kind of addicted to not uh, following the same path and, and living life in a tragic manner. But most of my life has never really been about me. I wanted to be a pilot when I was a kid growing up, and I ended up going into law enforcement and spending over a decade doing that. And now here I sit here as the uh, as a supervisor in Seminole County. And that person, I got a chance to share my story with a lot of people made some mistakes that would say, well, you know, because of my adversities, this is the only thing I'm capable of doing. And I would remind them, I came from those same circumstances. And if you take your adversities and you use them as tools to build your character, you work hard and you be bold, you can make it. You can make it. You just have to be willing to work hard to do it. I always say I had every reason to be in the backseat of a police car and no reason to be in the front. My aunt always says that to me. She says, we can't believe that you made it out. You know, my grandmother, she passed away in July of this year, but she got a chance to see her her grandson become the supervisor of elections, the first African-American constitutional officer in the history of Seminole County. And 
she told me that uh, I had become the most successful person in our family. So it meant a lot to be able to deliver that to my grandmother before she closed her eyes. That's who I am, man. It's a guy that busts his butt. And uh, I look at people as human investments and the measure in return, it, the return is unmeasurable. So when you invest into people, that's what helps us an organization become successful. A leader doesn't look for control. They look for unity. And that's why the people here, they go out, they do their jobs, not just because they have to, because they want to. Chris, you need to write that book, man. We were joking about a mini series or a book, but I would read it and watch it. I tell you, that's that's really not just inspiration. I might just do that. I might do that. Motivational too. So, so how how did you end up as a supervisor of elections? I mean, there's not many kids who go to see their career counselor and say, "Hey, I want <laughs> what is that story?" Especially not after this year, right? One of the first things I did is I knew that I I had a story that I needed to share with other people. I have a video. I've never put it out, but you know, my wife she was recording me, asking me why I wanted to get involved in politics. And I told her, I said, you know, what well, making someone's lives better is the, really the key to public service. But I believe that I can speak in a language that people can understand. That's the real connection. Because a lot of times people talk about things that they experience in books. I talk about things that I live. Uh, so having, having that ability to speak in a language that people can understand really helps. And for me, what I did is I reached out to a family friend who was a former chairman of a political organization, and they connected me with a candidate who was running for office. And I just wanted to kind of see how this works. And I did the grunt work. You know, I knocked on doors, I, you know, stuff in envelopes, you know, all the stuff that you don't see that you have to do. And it kind of helps you make a decision whether or not that's something you really want to get involved in. Well, I happened to be talking to the campaign manager and I shared my story. You know, he was like, wow, making a really good candidate. So I didn't think anything of that. And then uh, I get a call from some political consultants that happened to later on end up being the political consultants for the governor. So you never, you know, the world is small. You, you, know, you never know, right, who you're dealing with. So you should always treat people with kindness. You know, we were just out knocking doors and I got partnered up with another person knocking doors. Well, this person, uh, Nick Primrose, became the deputy chief uh, counsel for the governor and the campaign manager became the press secretary for the governor. So, um, you know, they saw me working hard, doing my, busting my butt and doing my thing. And uh, then a vacancy became open here in Seminole County. I actually became a candidate for House District 28, which is on the east side of Seminole County. I ended up withdrawing from the race because I felt like I was learning to be a candidate while running an election and you can't do both. Hmm. So as a vacancy opened, there are folks now that are with the governor that recommended me and uh, my family friend that initially got me involved they reached out to her and got a recommendation from her. And I interviewed in January 17th, I was on the back of a truck uh, doing an inventory, just working. And I got a phone call that changed my life. That's how it's all, everything I've done. Nothing I've done is something that I wanted to do from going into law enforcement. So I always look at it from God calls you, 
and he he said that's where he supposed to be, and I stepped up to the to the podium. Yeah, man, this isn't just an epic book. This is an epic movie as well. And it's it's obvious that you love what you're doing now. What 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 do you love most about uh, about your role? The people. So voting is a physical representation of your ideals, your beliefs, and your principles. When you don't vote, you relinquish those ideals, those principles. And when you do vote, you believe that you're making your life better. So me giving you the opportunity to make your life better, your family's lives better, is accomplishing my overall why, which is improving someone's quality of life. And dealing with voters and talking to them and just listening to their excitement, listening to their concerns about how the election process works, it's just right up my alley because I love to give people information and and give them more confidence in the process. So just dealing with people in general and having that gift of gab doesn't hurt either. So combination of the two, it makes it work well. Chris, I can imagine you are meeting so many interesting people as you really connect with folks from various walks of life and in our county. As you think about your team, and I know you mentioned loving all the folks that volunteer and and serve with you, what what are one or two things that you guys do uh, at the office when it's not election season, when we're not coming up upon an election? That's a very good question because a lot of people just say, well, you only work like three, three times a year, right? That's the running joke. So we have to get prepared for the next election. So after we're done with this, it's gonna look like a bomb exploded in the back of that warehouse, right? All the stuff's gonna come back. So it's gonna take us a couple months to sift through all the supplies, figure out what we need to replace. Because what you're doing is you're deploying assets in the 80 different locations and eight early voting sites that have to constantly be restocked. Then you have to review your processes. What went well, we do what we call an after action review, something I entered, that's something that you I learned in the army that works very well in these critical moments to review not what we did good, but what we did wrong and how we can improve on it. So then we'll go through that process and then we got to figure out how to fix it and then fix it. One of the things we're going to do in all season here is we're going to increase our staffing table. We need more people and then we have to train them. We're going to get them prepared for the next election cycle, uh, which, you know, the big, another bigger, uh, not as quite as big as the presidential, but uh, will be the gubernatorial election, which will be in 2022. So we're going to spend that time training them. And remember, voter education and voter registration have to continue. So I'm looking to, you know, we hire a public relations officer. That's a new issue here. So we're going to be increasing our footprint regarding uh, reaching out to the public in regards to voter education. We also have something called the Elections Academy. It's a very new program that has never been done in the state of Florida, which allows voters uh, to come in for eight weeks, one night a week for three hours on a Tuesday, and learn how the process works. So we're going to be working on the processes, educating voters as we prepare for the election cycle. Chris, tell us a little bit about what the Average, tell us some stats on the Seminole County voter. Just uh, just kind of r- rattle off some, some things we may not know about the Seminole County voter. So we'll start from the high point. So right now, 
Our book closing number was 335,172 voters. As uh, I expect an 80% turnout, 80% will put us at 268,000 voters coming out to cast. Right now we have 167,478 voters who have already voted either early or by mail. Um, 83,000 voted early, 84,000 have voted by mail. Um, we've got about a 44% turnout amongst Republicans in early voting. We have about a 34% turnout amongst, or 36% turnout amongst Democrats. And we have about a 21% turnout amongst MPAs. Now, as you look at vote by mail, it's the opposite. Democrats are uh, somewhere around 36,000 uh, vote by mail ballots returned. Republicans are around 26. And MPAs are around about 19,198. So as you look at how people are voting, uh, one of the things we notice is that with vote by mail, people have bypassed the mailbox. They're just coming directly to, to a Dropbox location, which is located at our early voting sites to include the office. So those are uh, interesting phenomenons. I'm looking at voters that I haven't received one complaint of, from a voter having to wait in a line. They understand because of the nature of COVID with social distancing and the reduction of people being allowed in, the, in rooms. Seminole County voters are just, they're wonderful people that understand what we're going through. Because we were concerned. Because we didn't know how they were going to respond. Because people weren't flipping out at having to wait at Sam's or Publix or anything like that because they understood but we didn't know if they would give us the same consideration, and although I did ask, and they definitely responded to ask by understanding what we have to do to keep them safe. That kind of shows the value uh, of, of a person's vote and uh, good, Absolutely. a good testimony of our people. Uh, Chris, speaking of concerns, since we have you on here, I think this is an important segue to talk about kind of the, the safety and the authenticity of the votes, right? It's very common at kind of the national level with the big news sources of potential voter fraud and whatnot. Could you speak briefly about kind of the guarantees for our residents that their vote is counted and safe? Sure. So let's talk about vote by mail. We'll go through all three methods of voting. So vote by mail is the national average for attempted vote by mail fraud is 0.0025%. It's extremely low. Both the Brennan Institute and the Heritage Foundation did studies of states like Oregon who do mail ballot elect. That's the only way they vote. Out of 15.5 million ballots that have been mailed since 1998, they only have 14 cases of attempted mail ballot fraud. So that shows you that there's a very low risk or chance of fraud involving vote by mail. Early voting. Early voting is a continuous process that will end at one point. And the results are not transmitted at all. As a matter of fact, the machines are sealed at the location and signed off with a chain of custody form. And they are brought back to the office where they are in front of what we would call the canvassing board, which are three independent individuals comprised of electors of the county, will witness the results being uploaded into the election management system. So now a vote by mail is also counted in-house, so which the canvassing board witnesses being uploaded. So the largest portion of the vote by mail in early voting never 
see any open sources or internet activity. But then you have election day. So now I have a question for you guys, which is, why do you think we transmit results from a polling location to our headquarters on election day? I'm assuming it's because your headquarters are more secure. No, it's because at 701, everyone wants to know who won, right? (laughs) Everybody wants to know the results, right? On some of those news organizations we were talking about earlier, they got those boards, right? And the guys or the gal, they're touching the board and like this precinct's reporting and all this stuff's coming in, right? So it's because, you know, we want these results quicker than what they would normally be able to do. The only other way would be to just wait on my clerk who is, we're in Sanford, so they're in Wakaiva. We would have to wait for them once they close, which would be somewhere around nine, about nine, nine o'clock, to to drive those results back. Well, everybody's going to be calling Chris like, hey, man, where's the results? What are we waiting? Uh, Let's go. So we transmit those results. So for security purposes, what we did is, We were one of eight counties to install, build and install a private network. This private network is controlled only by us and our results transmit through that private tunnel network. So that means that there's no open sources, no internet activity. It's just coming from that machine to us and it's free from uh, any would-be hackers. I love it. It sounds like we're very technologically savvy. That's the tabulation side. And, you know, everything's decentralized. So you you also have your website. A lot of bad actors may want to bring your website down and then they will push up another website with fake results on it. Or they'll overload the site and bring it down first. And that's what we refer to as a DDoS attack. What we did is we uh, entered into a pilot program with the Department of Homeland Security for protection around that. And we have a, uh, a Cloudflare protection that prevents our website from uh, being susceptible to DDoS attacks. So I've taken a very extreme uh, measure around uh, cybersecurity here at the office and to make sure that everybody's, the choice that they make is a choice that we take. Wow, that's amazing. It kind of sounds like kind of ties into your maybe military background. As we wrap up and move kind of towards the back half of our conversation, what's just something that you're really proud of that you've felt like you've been accomplished or been part of the the team that's accomplished in your work as the supervisor of elections? It's a Q-tip. I know you're like, well, Chris, why would you be proud of a Q-tip? So this particular Q-tip is wrapped with aluminum foil tape. And when you submerge the tip of it into into a saturated sponge and the water connects to the aluminum foil, it will conduct static electricity from your body and allow you to sign on an iPad. So this is a one-use stylus that keeps every voter safe because they're not touching any other equipment that anyone else has touched. And we call this a seminal safety stylus. You know, challenging the status quo, right? Um, That's something that I I always do. Some people said we couldn't do it. Not only did we do it, but we created 101,000 Q-tips. We rolled these ourselves. And I'm most proud of the dedication. I always say the struggle is real. And so is the depth of our dedication to elections excellence. And this is proof of it. 
Chris, when I walked in and they gave me that, I thought they wanted some DNA or something. <laughs> so did you get it? You got a chance to use it? I did. It, it worked fine. It worked yeah. fine. What I noticed is that the signatures that we've captioned actually are better with these than they are with the other styluses that we used to use. Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, I mean, you know, if, if if this doesn't work out for you, man, there's a real <laughs> business for you. Yeah, you're patting these up, right? <laughs> Just a couple of a couple of questions. Uh, if you could say anything today on election day to the people of Seminole County, what would it be? Congratulations. Congratulations on uh, having a safe and effective election, being the model for the state, showing that based on in light of a lot of the uh, negative things that we heard, that we remain positive and that everybody got a chance to cast their ballots. That's good. How do people contact you and find you in your office, Chris? I know I know you are very generous with your cell phone. We don't want to do that. Especially <laughs> not today. I don't mind. So, you know, if, if you want to get in contact with the office because you have questions, please call 407-585-VOTE. That's 407-585-8683. And please go to our website at votesimilar.org. But if you're looking for, you want to stay up to date with numbers and statistics. We push it out uh, on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So you can get a chance to see the trends of voting as they take place day by day. Now your social media handles are Vote Seminole as well? VoteSeminole.org. All right. Vote Seminole. I'm sorry. At Vote Seminole. Final question. All right. Who's winning at the moment? <laughs> no one. No one's winning at the moment. Everybody's neck and neck. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for being with us. You have been uh, great. Really appreciate you sharing your story that's brought you to this moment. And uh, as a voter, I feel in incredibly safe hands because of what you and your team are doing. And uh, it's just it's just good when we hear all this outside talk about interference, knowing that that does not happen here. And that's because of you and your leadership. And we're so very grateful. So thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Wow, Andy, what an inspiring story. Uh, Obviously, Chris has shown through his character, through his upbringing, through his faith, that he is a man to be trusted. And that was really, really encouraging. I hope we are able to have him back on the program again. I feel like there's just so many nuggets and and things that he's learned along the way. Uh, Andy, you have some big shoes to fill in terms of closing out our time with their inspirational moment, but do your best. Here it is, sir. Yeah, I mean, that was an inspirational interview. But perhaps this quote today puts a nice little bow on that interview, because in some ways, this quote defines part of Chris's life. And I'd love one day for it to be said of, of me and you and us as well. The quote is from Babe Ruth, who really hits it out of the park with this quote when he says, It's hard to beat a person who never gives up. It's hard to beat a person who never gives up. Success isn't necessarily just about achieving your goal. It's not about making a certain amount of money. 
It's not about fulfilling a certain dream. In many ways, success is about just keeping going. And as Babe Ruth said, one more time, it's hard to beat a person who never gives up. Andy, that was very good. You really uh, hit that quote out of the park. I just said that joke. You're stealing my jokes. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the What's Up Castleberry podcast. Before you go on, did you steal my pun because you were trying to think of your own pun and missed my pun? Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> I honestly didn't hear you say it. <laughs> I, was, I, was I looked at you and you guys didn't laugh. And I'm like, man, they missed <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. About what to say. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're a pun oh, stealer. This uh, is the pun stealing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. All right. Thank you, Andy, for that inspirational quote and the pun. You're, you're good for one or two of those every episode. Folks, we sure hope you've enjoyed this episode of the What's Up Castleberry podcast, a casual conversation about our community. This podcast has been produced by Robin Kepi. For more information, please check out our website, Facebook page, Instagram, or podcast feed, all with the name What's Up Castleberry. Like and subscribe to our podcast. We'd love you to rate and review us. And until next time, have a great week.